Good morning, everybody. Lovely to see everybody, and it's really good to be able to take that mask off. <clears throat> um, we were in the Tuesday morning prayer meeting praying for rain. I think this week we'll maybe readjust our prayers a little bit. <laughs> but uh, it's wonderful to see everybody. There's a great turnout this morning, um, and all the people that are out there, and I'm not sure if it's online at home, but uh, good morning, and it's a, an honor to share God's word with you this morning. And I just pray that I am clear and concise and brief. Um, and just one wee caveat, if there's anything you disagree with, anything you don't like, any problems with the sermon, um, speak to Tim Brown at the end and he, he, will, he will clarify everything. <clears throat> um, the passage of scripture I would like to, to look at is one of the parables that we've been assigned to speak on the parables. So um, I had one in mind, but... Uh, that I was really looking forward to speaking on, but I felt the Lord wanted me to, to share on this one, so you have to be obedient. And <clears throat> I found that it wasn't a very easy one, uh, and it was quite tough, but the Lord will help us get through it. I've entitled this sermon, He Came, He Saw, and He Was Disappointed. And it's a very interesting, it's a very brief parable, uh, but I'm going to read out uh, the entirety of the text in Luke chapter 13 and verses 1 to 9. Um, but let's just, let's just pray. <clears throat> Lord God, we thank you this morning that we can gather uh, freely in your name. We thank you that you have made a way, Lord, not just that we can... Um, come near or in the vicinity, but Lord, that we can come right into your presence. And Lord, that's what we need this morning. We need to, to know your presence in our lives. And we really pray that your Holy Spirit will breathe upon us this morning and reign upon us and move among us and help us to hear what you would say to us. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. And the passage begins, <clears throat> it's entitled Repent or Perish, so a lovely jovial title. And it says, now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all, all the other Galileans? Because they suffered this way. I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. <clears throat> or the 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, <clears throat> but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. <clears throat> if it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. So a very hard-hitting parable and passage of scripture and really we're going to be focusing on um, verse 5 to verse 9. Now, I want to ask a question before we look into this because this is important. Do we have ears to hear what the Spirit of God would want to say to us through this parable? 
Not our own intellect, not our own thoughts, not our own meanings, but what his thoughts are, what his meanings are, what his purpose is through this parable. Because parables contain hidden truths, they contain hidden messages, and we need to have ears to hear what they say. Now this parable, for all the scholars out there, primarily refers to the nation and people of Israel and Judah and the Jews. God chose them for his own. He made them to be a people who were near to him. Um, he gave them the advantages of the law and of knowing him. They were a special and a peculiar people to him. His intention was going to be that they were going to be a light to the nations and a, a witness for him in a very dark world. And he expected very definite returns from this arrangement, from this covenant to his praise and honor, which he would have accounted for fruit. But sadly, we know the stories, they disappointed and they failed and they failed quite badly. Now, Jesus was a master of the parable and often used parables to point out people's sins, feelings, shortcomings. And this parable comes directly after a very stark warning, after a discussion about tragic events that had happened to people. Jesus cuts right to the chase. He cuts right to the eternal question. And he says, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Now, verse 6 begins... A certain man had a fig tree. And this parable stands in very close connection of the foregoing teaching. It's a difficult parable. It depicts very difficult realities that are found in the Bible that the Lord wants us to know. The severity of this text and other texts that we find in Scripture help us to understand the value of grace, of its purpose and the reason why we need it. Grace on its own, just teaching grace on its own, will not help us understand why we need grace. The Christian life is not a game. God is not messing about. It's not a social aspect to our life. It's not a lifestyle choice, or it's not a a nice philosophy to adhere to. It's primarily about being saved from the wrath to come. It's being saved from wrath and judgment, and about following Jesus, about living in Jesus, about being saved and and serving and bearing fruit for him. So parts of the Bible like this, I think, are a wee bit like broccoli. We might not like it. It may upset our comfort zone, our delicate spiritual tummies. But like any good, nutritious food, it's good for your spiritual health whenever we digest these, these parts of Scripture. It's important that we adhere to the whole counsel of God, not just the bits that we like and leave the bits that we don't like. So there's three key points in this parable. Firstly, the owner comes to view his property. Do you know that God still does that? He still does it today. The owner comes, he's disappointed that there is no fruit. But a great thing happens when someone intercedes. Third point, a reprieve is given to the the owner's initial hard decision. But there's work that needs to be done. It won't just happen by itself. So we're going to look at these three aspects of this parable in the wider context of Scripture. Firstly, he comes to see. The Lord comes to view that which he owns. In the Scripture, we see this time and time again. The whole way through from Genesis to Revelation that God comes down. He came down in Eden. He wasn't happy with what he saw. He came down in Noah's day. And he saw that the inclinations of men and women's hearts was only toward evil. And he resolved to save Noah and his family. In Genesis 18, there's a very clear scripture. It says, then the Lord said, in verse 20, it says, 
Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done all the keller according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. So God is very, very active. The Bible is full of places where God views what is going on, not just in this omnipresent way, because sometimes I think uh, that I certainly have thought that God has just created everything, thrown us out there and said, right, guys, get on with it. No, God is very definitely and very intimately involved with his creation, particularly with his church and with his people and with you and I as individual people as well. The parable depicts the owner coming to view and assess and decide what to do concerning his fig tree. Now, this is a very key point because the fig tree is not its own. It doesn't belong to itself. Do you know that for you and I who are in Christ, we are not our own? The Bible says we belong to him. We've been bought with a great price, his blood. So we do not belong to ourselves. This is a point where I, I really felt to ask a question, and it's quite a pointed question. Um, but I want to ask you, are you his? Do you belong to him? Do you know him? Because if you're not sure about that question, if you don't have that assurance in your heart, please speak to someone about that because it's the most important question in your life at this moment in time. And God wants to meet with you. Now, the owner decides to come and see how his tree is getting on, which is fair enough. Do you know the Lord did that in the book of Revelation? We read of the seven churches. And the Lord, in the first chapter, walks amongst the seven golden lampstands, which are symbolic of the churches. And through the, the quill of John, he gives a very detailed description of how they're doing, and he depicts the good, the bad, and the ugly. Sadly, one church in particular, the church in Laodicea, had assessed themselves completely differently and an awful lot more generously than the Lord had. They gave themselves a very high rating. We have need of nothing and how they were doing and all of their accomplishments. But sadly, God's perspective was diametrically the opposite to what they were saying about themselves, culminating with the, the famous words that we use in evangelism, but were directed to a church, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Let me in. This church had missed it big time. And the Lord saw it because the Lord was viewing what was going on. The Bible says in Psalm 1 verse 6 and 121, the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. So God is watching over us now. So what does this man find when he goes to the, to the fig tree? He finds no fruit. He's looking for a harvest. We can ask ourselves in our context today, what is, what is that? Genesis 6 tells us that trees bear, us, bear after their own kind. So when he was going to this fig tree, he wasn't looking for apples or pears. He was looking for figs. But he was very surprised that he didn't find any fruit. He probably found loads of branches loads of leaves, um, loads of foliage, but no fruit. The point of the tree was to bear fruit, a very definite purpose for the tree, not for it just to look good and hang out there, take up space. It was designed for a very definite purpose. Now, the owner seems quite harsh 
and decisive here. He just wants to cut it down. So because it's taken up space, maybe something could be planted in its place. Because leaves and branches and bark and trunk are not fruit. They're all there to aid the process of the tree to bear fruit. Now, it's a big question for us to ponder over. And I wrestled with sharing this, but I, um, I think it's, it's important for us to know um, what is fruit. I'm not going to be able to cover that whole broad subject. But fruit is not the leaves or branches which can be symbolic sometimes of activities and works and ministries and programs. Fruit is born by the tree. It's a produce, um, not a, of manufactured by human effort, but it's a produce of life flowing through the tree. We can get mixed up in what we deem to be fruit. Churches need the life of the Spirit flowing through them. They're to bear the fruit that the Lord wants. Give an example of what I, I think has been considered fruit by much of the church today, and I would just challenge it. And again, if you have an issue, Tim's just down there. <laughs> and it's one thing called transfer growth. Sometimes churches today grow. And I've heard many friends in many great churches and big churches, and they consider that the growth that is happening is fruit. Now, the growth tends to be people moving from one church to another church. Okay, from one place to another for geographic reasons. Maybe there's been an issue. Maybe they want some more teaching. I don't believe that is the growth and the fruit the Lord is talking about. So I don't know. You can challenge me on that if you want. I don't believe the Lord added to the church's number in the book of Acts. But that was people being saved, coming to faith in Christ not just moving from one place to another. So sometimes it can be a false economy and we can think that this is fruit and it's not fruit. I don't believe it is real and true and lasting fruit. Another aspect of fruit is individual Christians are called to bear the fruit of his spirit, of love, of peace, of gentleness, kindness, joy, etc. Not a religious lifestyle, not just attendance of meetings and doing things and activity. Fruit is something that's born through us as people and that we bear in our life and hopefully bless other people with. So fruit is more than just some of those things that we can, we can think it is. I also believe the fruit that is born in the life of a Christian or in church is also people experiencing freedom in the spirit, healing, deliverance, being set free from vices, difficulties that they're struggling with, the peace of God replacing the turmoil that can sometimes fill people's life. That's what I believe fruit is. We need to look at the men and women from the scriptures and from church history. And we see fruit. We see men and women being saved, turned from their sin, set free, healed, being raised up to serve God. Disciples, converts becoming disciples, maturing into a knowledge of Christ. Believers genuinely loving one another. Forgiving one another, that's great fruit. That's the fruit I believe the Lord wants to bear. And it can't be done on our own. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. Now, if the Lord comes to us, what will he find? Will he find what he's looking for? Because what fruit are we to bear? Now, a big question is, why would this tree not bear any fruit? And the gardening brigade and you are many among us this morning, will know some of the answers to these questions more than I. But I just jotted down some of the things, and we talked about one the other day. Uh, the tree may not have borne fruit because there might not have been any rain. 
could have been the food it was taking and it might not have been getting the nutritious food. There could have been pests and other things that were damaging the tree. There could have been large boulders that were strangling the roots. It could have lacked the right conditions, the right weather. There could have been a problem with the tree itself. But we're not fully told why because the reasons can be, can be many sometimes. But the gardeners among us will know much more than I in regard to that. We can't really go into the depths of that. So no fruit, what are we to do? There's very little we can do to produce the fruit that God requires, the fruit of righteousness. But thank God there's one who can this morning. A great thing happens here. You might think this is a hard text, but the grace of God is all over this text. Someone stands in the gap and intercedes for the tree. On behalf of the tree, he speaks up for it. Yes, it's not bearing fruit, but give it a chance because God's grace is never far away. There's one standing this morning at the right hand of the Father in heaven who is interceding for you and I. There's one who has stood in the gap for you. There's one who has paid the price for you and I that we might be right with God and that we might bear fruit for his glory. The vindresser in this story intercedes for the tree. Please give it another chance. He says, sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. But give it a chance. There's so much here. There's, there's not only the grace and the willingness and the patience of the owner to allow this, but there's a willingness and the care of the one who has tended it and who is now prepared to stand in the gap for it. He is willing to put in the work so the fig tree would reach its potential and bear the fruit that the owner expected, that the owner sought for and the owner required. He requested time to do this. He knew it wouldn't happen unless there was effort and diligence and work put in. So it's not a harsh message. It's full of grace. But there are limits by which God abides by. Now, I rejoice that there's one this morning who left the glory of heaven, who laid aside his majesty, all the privileges and honors that he was worthy of, and who was prepared to come down to this earth and walk the dusty streets of Jerusalem and give up his life, even the death of a cross, so that you and I could bear fruit so that you and I could know God and walk with God. Now, the vindresser says he's going to do several, uh, two things here. He said he would dig and turn over the soil. He may remove rocks and boulders. He could have killed the pests. He could have given the tree the, the fertilization that it needed. Now, any gardener here knows the, the, the effects that come from piling a whole lot of dung on a garden. Don't you just love slurry time of the year? you live in the country I just love getting stuck behind slurry tankers on the the roads to Finboy <laughs> yeah it smells terrible but this the reality is rotten things stimulate life whenever we put them onto our gardens and sometimes for growth and fruit for us as individuals sometimes we enter into difficult situations Psalm 18 verse 6 says in my state of blessedness, I cried upon the Lord. 
I was waiting for someone to say, no, it doesn't. No, no, no. No, it doesn't. It says, in my distress, I called upon the Lord. Because it seems to be, and I don't think God necessarily wants it to be like this, it's whenever we get into difficulty and tough times that we tend to turn to God and ask him for his help. But it doesn't have to be like that. You can cry out to God when you're in a state of comfort and pleasure and hope you can still call out to God for him to work in your life. So the owner seems to be willing to let this vindresser do what he needs to do. And there's a few questions that I jotted down that I wanted to ask. Now, can there be things in our lives like this tree? We give them a lot of space, a lot of time, and a lot of effort is put into them. But the question is, are they bearing fruit for the kingdom of God? That's a question to ask ourselves. Now, and I asked this question to myself, are we in the right place? Are we in the right job? Are we in the right vocation that God has called us to be in? Where we will bear the fruit that the Lord has purposed and appointed. There could be people sitting here this morning in well-paid, high-paying jobs. And God's saying, I want you to be a missionary. There could be people in low-paying jobs and God's saying, I want you to be a pastor. I want you to serve me. This is where we need the ears to hear what the Spirit of God says to us. Because if we're in the wrong place, if we're in the wrong job, if we're in the wrong, even the wrong ministry, we are not going to bear the fruit that God has purposed and appointed for us to do. The Lord wants you and I to flourish, to prosper, to be abundant in the fruit that we bear for him. But if we are not where he wants us to be, and that's primarily firstly in relationship with himself or in our vocation or calling, that's going to be very difficult. Now, one of the other things that he says he's going to do, he's going to dig. He's going to dig down. There's times in our life, I don't know about you, but I've experienced what I would call the digging of the Holy Spirit. The reality for sometimes for God to get us to bear fruit and get us on side and, and where he wants us to be, we may experience the digging of the Holy Spirit into our lives and into our circumstances. The plow of conviction and the dealing of God may need to press into our comfortable circumstances before the tree of our lives has any chance to bear fruit and grow and be where God wants it to be. This fig tree was going to undergo some tribulation some heart surgery, the dealings of God in an attempt for this tree to bear fruit. Have you ever experienced that in your life? Have you ever experienced the Lord dealing with you, putting his finger on an area of your life that he wants you to sort out, he wants you to address? Have you ever experienced the Spirit of God bringing conviction into an area that he's wanting to, to speak into? What do you do with that? What do I do with that? Do I resist it? Do I grieve the Spirit of God? Do I ignore it? Do I walk away? Do I place myself further away from God? Or do I embrace it and say, God, have your way. Do what you need to do for me to bear fruit for you. God has been very patient and merciful with mankind, with all of us in this room. Acts chapter 17, verse 30 the 31, give a very clear and concise depiction of where mankind stands with God. If you're a child of God, 
you're not going to experience judgment and wrath, but you will experience the discipline of God in your life. But if you don't belong to the Lord, there's a day of judgment that is coming. And that is why the message of the gospel is that people get right with God because Jesus has done it all for you. If you need to speak to someone about that, please do because it's the most important question in your life at this moment. Verse 30 of Acts 17 says, Although God overlooked the ignorance of earlier times, he now commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. These are very definite words. It's a very definite passage of scripture. God will overlook our errors, our sins, our mistakes and forgive us whenever we repent and put our faith in Christ. But the pointed lesson from verse 5 is, unless you repent, you too will all perish. If this tree was to bear fruit, action needs to be taken. Serious action, digging down to the roots, treating its environment, caring for it, nourishing it, tending it, if there's going to be any hope of fruit. But the encouraging thing this morning is there's one who is interceding for you and I at the right hand of the Father in heaven. There's one who will speak on your behalf. There's one who will stand up for you this morning. There's one who will stand up for me. There's one who will help you. You're not on your own in this. You're not being left at just your own devices. God has said he would send a helper who will be with you, who will be alongside you to help you. So in any of these hard things that you think you might have to face or deal with, you're not on your own. But I do encourage you, if you feel you need help or prayer, speak to someone and ask them to pray with you. If you want to go deeper in God, if you want to embrace what God is maybe challenging you about, get someone to pray with you. You have brothers and sisters here who love you and would be very glad to do so. I'm just going to finish with the one verse in John chapter 15, verse 16, which is very well known. And I exhort you this morning to get before God to ask him for his help and his wisdom and insight into how he sees your life and the direction he might want you to be going on instead of the direction you think you should be going on. And if you're not sure about things, again, please speak to someone. Jesus said this, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Let's just pray. Lord, we come before you and we thank you that your heart and your desires and your plans for us are greater than probably we can even imagine. Lord, we thank you that you have made a way, a new and a living way. We thank you that you have given us the Holy Spirit who will glorify you, Lord Jesus. I just ask you this morning that you would lay your hand on us all. I pray that, Lord God, wherever we are at in our walk and our journey with you, Lord, that you would meet us. 
that you would speak afresh to us. If we're discouraged, that you would encourage us. If we're on fire, that you will keep that fire going. We just pray that you would meet with us and allow us just to sense your presence. Lord, as we just go into a time of sharing and breaking of bread, we just pray, Lord God, that you would open the eyes of our heart that we might see you afresh. In Jesus' name.